welcome to Speaking About Speaking with me, Jackie Goddard. And here we are the day after the lovely long Easter weekend. Hopefully everybody had a fabulous time. I was just saying before I was rudely interrupted by the fact that I hadn't gone live, that if you are out there live now, please do join in, interact with, with us, ask questions, leave comments. And if you're watching on the replay, please do the same because we will come and find you and answer any questions you may have. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring up my fabulous guest today, who is a communicator. But I knew him better many, many years ago as a stand-up comedian and a video games uh, developer. So I'm going to find out what happened in the intervening 20-odd years. So please welcome to the stage with me, John Torrens. Hello. Hey, John. Sorry about Hello. that. That was a bit confusing there in the beginning. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to swap the screen over so I can play with you there. Excellent. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. I probably, I'm overthinking that, but yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Good. So where are you? You're calling in from your, your Cambridge way, aren't you? I'm in Ely near Cambridge. Yes, a tiny city. Mm. Yeah. And has it has it been a, a fabulous weekend? Um, it has. Yeah, I ate the chocolate egg I was given, and it was a big one pretty much that day. And I thought, It'll be fine. This will last for a while. And um, yeah, just having a cup of tea. All gone. All gone. Yep. So overall mission accomplished. Yes. Great. Well, I started out there by saying that many years ago, we met each other through a mutual friend when I was acting in a play somewhere in Highbury in Islington, I think. And you were at that point doing the stand-up comedy. So tell mm. us a little bit about how that came about why obviously you are now a communications coach and you are a self-confessed introvert so i'm i'm really really intrigued to find out how somebody that that sees themselves as an introvert could actually put themselves through stepping on a stage and telling jokes mm, well i think i think when i was doing the stand-up news song i'd i'd been doing i was doing video games development so i was a video games designer like a level designer and I was doing stand-up. So I'd started doing video games and then immediately started to do stand-up at the same time. And so I did those two things about 10 years side by side. But I think, because I thought at the time, oh, I'm an extrovert because I can stand in front of people and sort of perform, if you will. I thought, okay, that's, that's how introverts and extroverts work. But then really, um, much more recently, after I started doing this, I met someone who pointed out the true definition, which is that it's, um, it's about how you get your your energy and how your uh, how you recharge. And in fact, I'm pretty much almost completely an introvert. So I like to recharge by being on my own, whereas a lot of other people who are extroverted recharge by being around other people. And so I think a lot of stand-ups are probably introverts because yeah. the vast majority of the time you're on your own. You're sitting around trying to write or walking around trying to write you're traveling to and from a gig and then you're you know probably alone again i mean it's yeah it, all the evidence says to me and i don't have data to back it up but the evidence says that would work best for someone who wants to be on there most of the time yes you've got your 20 minutes of very intense interaction and uh approval <laughs> from other people but most of the time it's 
in your own head. Yeah. So yes, that, I mean that is that is interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of think, well, for that for that twenty minutes, what is it that the introvert is after? Is it that approval? Is it is it? Um, I don't know. Validation. What do you think? I think it's very much that. So people will say, oh, that's very brave. You know, you must be so brave to do stand-up. I think, yeah, it, it maybe it does indicate some kind of courage, but it also indicates this, you know, desperate need for approval and validation, as you said. And and also, this is the other thing. I say it's 20 minutes of interaction. It's not. Uh, <laughs> stand-ups will have a very clearly defined routine, and it's called that for a good reason. They know exactly what they want to say. They want to make it look as if it's just coming to them, and there might be a little bit where they interact with someone briefly, and that's truly improvised, but the rest of it is very much preordained. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that fits the introvert very well. Yeah, it's a strange old thing, isn't it? Stand-up uh, comedy because it is very much a routine. And I, I, you won't remember this, but I do remember having had that conversation with you back then. That I, I thought, well, could I do stand-up comedy in that as an actor? Could I take on that role, learn those lines? and stand up and be funny. And I know some comedians, because I've seen them, I've seen them do it, and I've seen I've seen comedians do the same act again and again and again, and they don't change a word. And they don't interact with the audience, they literally stand up, they do their bit, they get their laughs, and they're gone. Whereas other comedians, are, are, the, the set changes every single night. I mean, it literally, they, they'll get up and, and do it and they'll interact and they'll they'll take the banter and they'll take the uh, the, the knockings that they get and, the, you know, from, from the audience. And, and it's a lot more free-flowing in that way. So what which which group were you in? Oh, I was in, I was definitely in there having a routine. Yeah. But I suspect that a lot of the acts you saw were also in that camp, but they just made it look as if they're, you know, even someone like Ross Noble, you know, he said he has a very good idea of what he wants to say, but he'll make it appear as if he's just plucking them out of thin air. But it's funny because yeah. you mentioned, you know, acting, um, Omar Jalali wanted to, you know, well, he did become an actor, you know, he's an actor, but the, uh, to get the stage time um, for your, um, oh, what is it? What's the card? What do you need? You need your equity equity thank you good i should know that um it's stage time and you know and the and the, the joke well the joke is that you either do you know you can do stand-up acting or stripping right you know as long as you're performing <laughs> <Yeah. also>. um <laughs> and and so omar jalali says that he just was doing stand-up just to get the stage time right and oh turns out he was good at it so yeah fantastic <laughs> But, yeah, um... I mean, yes, Omid Jalili, I did see, and I was in the front row, and he did pick on on me and my husband actually. Um, oh. And but you could you could actually tell I mean, he was great, but you could tell that he was kind of he wasn't quite sure whether he should interact or not because he wasn't sure if they were going to take him off on a tangent that he wouldn't be able to get back to to yeah. the to the set kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. It's just it's. That's that's, yes, that's always it's like you go a bit further. You can see that. You can see there's something there. Like, do you dig a bit more and go down this cul-de-sac, hoping there's something brilliant at the end of it, or do you just back out and get back to the the safe stuff, the material? Yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to be brave. You do. You have to be very. I mean, I'm quite happy being in character, knowing who my character was, being assured that I was who I, you know, who I was playing, um, and just if you forgot. The 
I mean, there is that as well. If you you have to know the lines well enough that if something does go wrong, you kind of wing it um, without without going too far off what it is that you're meant to be saying. Um, have you ever been completely thrown by an audience member? Um, oh, you mean in terms of a, a heckle or just forgetting my stuff? Yeah. Oh, well, either um, or. Yeah, have you ever had that really, moment? Well, the thing the thing with heckling is, if it's going really well then it doesn't matter what somebody shouts out because the audience is pretty much on your side. And the uh, misconception is that it's the heckler uh, plus the audience versus you, whereas actually it's, you know, you and the audience versus the heckler. Um, if it's going well, great. If, however, it's going badly and the heckler shouts something out and it pretty much voices what the audience is thinking, then there's nothing you can do. Um, so I think I'd certainly had, I've certainly had deaths on stage but um, there was no sort of killer blow from the from the audience. It was just a general uh, consensus. And incidentally, if you are if it is going badly, and somebody you know yells something at you, the funnier you try to be, the worse it's going to be. You know, you're just you're going to be even less funny. If that's yes. Right. Yeah. Don't try to be too clever because they they will they will outwit you <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah. So what what was the transition then from from the stand up comedy because you were you were designing the video games before that which is obviously yes. another passion of yours yeah then how how did you make that sort of step over into the sort of speaker coaching and communication coaching well I've been doing I did the two things uh, side by side for about ten years then I went full time at stand up for uh, a couple of years and so I wanted to see you know can I make it. Um, and so I moved in with my partner and after a couple of years, I definitely got better, but I hadn't broken through and I could, you know, I could see maybe that was, it was sort of running out momentum. And so she said, well, you know, what's the plan? And of course <laughs> I didn't have a plan. Why would I have a plan? Um, so I gave it up and it was funny. So, but part of me was thinking, oh, it's a bit sad. You know, I wanted to do this thing, but the, the other part of me was incredibly relieved because now I wasn't, you know, desperately trying to grasp hold of this thing that, that maybe I wasn't able to grasp. So I went back to video games and did that for about five years. And then towards the end of that, I just sort of had these thoughts about, I'd seen people do terrible presentations. So I'd seen people deliver awful presentations and I'd had to do pitches for game ideas and things like that. And so I just had this thought, oh, they clearly need all this stuff that I've learned from stand-up. You could apply all of that. And I remember writing it down and I realized pretty much everything yeah. applies to business other than being funny, although that is part of it, but generally it's, writing great material making sure you've got something to say using a story and then selling it and actually being a human being when you're speaking to people rather than going through the motions or focusing too much on some slides you know and turning away and looking at those and not engaging with people so i um yes yeah, so i started doing that and that was exactly 10 years ago and uh thank god you know it, it works and i've found my place in the world i think which is um rather good yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like you've you've kind of found a niche mm. in that you are kind of doing the the you're going into correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're going into companies where people are quite introverted. They're working on software. They're working very much in sort of isolation, almost into little silos. Um, oh, yeah. And 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 you and you've you've chosen to work with those those people specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge group, I guess, you know, in around Cambridge, there are many, many tech companies, which encompasses all kinds of things. And often it's pharmaceutical, but I might do something with Microsoft Research, you've got a, uh, a base by Cambridge railway station. 
um, but then say Foster and Partners, the architects or uh, video games companies. But I find all of the groups that I work with, and I don't know if they're, I guess it's the way they're drawn to me as well and how they find me, they're very much like me. They are introverts. And so I'm not going to be some dreadful, I was going to say dreadful extrovert. There's nothing wrong with extroverts, but, you know, dreadful extrovert uh, media person says, hey, you know, let's communicate and, and makes people feel uncomfortable. I can relate because I feel very uncomfortable and have lots of anxiety at this point. And so I will connect with them first and have fun. And then we layer in all that learning. So I, I just, I need to be around people like that as well. So it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is interesting because I've, I've spoken to lots of different speaker coaches that have, that come at what they do from who they are. And I think that's, you know, that's the way that it should be. You know, I've spoken to a, a guy that came from sort of a science background that is now working with other people in, in the sciences and his approach to how he handles them and how he handles what the, the work he's doing with them is very much related to them and who and who they are and I assume that's kind of what what you do in your realm as well and I think that's that's really yeah so how how then when you when you play with them first <laughs> as I do I like to play with my with my clients before I actually get stuck into anything serious how how do your clients take that because it can be quite um off-putting for some people I think it's just chatting really to begin with. So, I mean, one of the things I, I preach as well as practice is just to talk about the day-to-day -day and uh, the immediate at the beginning of any interaction. So if you're doing something online, just having a chat with someone for a few minutes about anything that's, that's you know, nothing to do with work is a good way to do it. So I'll play with them that way and have a chat, but we'll get pretty much straight into it. But what I like to do, which is a, really nice bit of learning is while I'm not interested in making them feel uncomfortable I'm quite happy to make them feel uncomfortable because it might be necessary is getting people to speak quite early so I might say oh we're going to work on a piece and work on it throughout the day but at the beginning I'll say right I want everyone to introduce themselves and no one wants to do it and I point out this is what's happening and you'll feel uncomfortable but on the other side of that a minute or so later they feel way better and then we've we've proven something straight away and they've and I've kind of moved how they see themselves so that's a little bit of the of the playing with it but ideally that informal interaction at the beginning should be really effortless and shouldn't feel like it's it's tacked on yeah yeah no I'm, I'm the same I mean obviously when I say playing it is it is it's playfulness it's just being being a human connecting with another human and actually bringing people into the group so that they are actually, you know, making connections within the group as well, which means that they they feel more comfortable than stepping into something slightly more uncomfortable. Definitely. And I think if you can set that tone at the beginning of a meeting or any interaction, but particularly when it's online, I think it's it's so nice for everyone. It's such a, it's such a lovely relief where they can see, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about important things and we'll get things done. But if the tone of it is fun and relaxed, I mean, let's face it, that meeting where you actually had a laugh partway through or at the beginning, like that's that's a bit of a godsend, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So what is it then from from your stand-up training or from your stand-up experience? What Because I, I do exactly the same thing. I, I had that realisation that actually when I looked at the training that I had as an, as an 
as an actor, every single part of that was relevant to anybody speaking to any audience at all, whether it's a one-to-one in a, a business boardroom, in a business meeting, pitching a sale. Every single element of what I learned as an actor is is relevant to that to that sphere. So, what is it within the stand up that you use that is comp- that is directly relatable? Well, there's there's lots. I mean, the, the way I generate material, which is to start speaking out loud and use that to inform the writing process, uh, using stories and learning how to to tell a good story, but also realizing that your story is always in, important and interesting to people. I think sometimes people get confused as to why someone wants to know about them, but they certainly don't know what to say. So a good story really helps. And stand-up is essentially storytelling. So um, there are those techniques. And then it's the delivery and engagement and using body language and remembering to look at someone. And if you're doing something online, looking right at the camera, so many people will be delivering something like this to to someone else. And I have to point it out. Um, Or I'll say, or I'll even mention very simple thing like the, the microphone isn't very good you know your sound is really muddy and I remember saying that to someone last year and they said and this was a you know a CFO of a company quite a big company a games company and he said I've been using this microphone for six months in meetings no one's ever mentioned it so all you know every time they thought oh yeah the so-and-so sound isn't very good but I just went oh by, by the way that's rubbish <laughs> and then and then they realized so it's I guess it's it's what you say and how you say it. I do also incorporate visuals, which is not necessarily from stand-up, but there's something about that illustration. So I will tell people you can if you can paint the picture in someone's heads, which is what a, a stand-up will do. You don't need to show any visuals, uh, no, and then which is really important. And a lot of people do need a visual, but if you can get away with it, then it, arguably it's it's better. You know, TED talks don't, often don't, don't use any kind of visual. Um, but the the other part is the mindset <clears throat> and that is accepting yourself and being authentic and being yourself that's a that's a massive step I mean I still struggle with that and and looking back now when I look back at stand-up I think oh you know maybe I could have done better if I'd had really a, a confidence that bordered on arrogance you know I look back and think oh I can't I think I've already doubted myself in that one there were, there were gigs where I didn't do very well and it's where friends of mine had come to see me and much later I realized oh, okay so them coming to see me it sort of affected me and then that manifested itself in something and then I'd been less funny which is and, and it's and of course it's that dreadful spiral where you think right I really want to nail it tonight like I really want to yeah. nail it because <laughs> my friends are there and then when the thing happens bleh, yeah yeah that's unpleasant yeah so it's it's interesting to look back at that and see oh yeah if i'd just been like almost obnoxiously confident i would have probably done really well yeah i mean i've had i've had clients and i've spoken to clients that that what bothers them is that what they don't like about public speaking or why they don't want to step on a stage sometimes is because they don't want to be seen as overly confident they don't want to be Mm. seen they they, they're worried that people with them as Basically, they're they're putting out their knowledge. They're telling people what it is that they they are good at, and trying to explain something to them. And they're worried that they will be seen as arrogant. But I think it, it it comes back to that self awareness, doesn't it? Is just being being confident in yourself and being confident that who you are is enough, 
and and all of those things that everyone kind of goes oh no you know it's all that mindset stuff but it's important you know we, we all we all need to understand and own our own stories and that yeah. i think once once you have the ability to sort of say right that's my story that's my experience i own it it's nobody else's and I, you know it's worth telling because it will validate how other people feel about what it is that they do or experiences yeah. that they've been through yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. It's difficult because because people aren't always happy to to share their their experiences. No, no and they and they think yeah, sometimes they think it won't be interesting, and, and and it is, you know, because everyone is interesting, everyone's story is interesting, everyone's unique. The the being worried about seeing as arrogant is is an amazing thing. Where I'll see someone, and I used to think it was a very British thing. I, I'm not sure if it is. Someone will will stand up to speak and they'll say maybe within a you know series of speakers and they'll say at the beginning sorry everyone this isn't going to be very good i'm not very good at this thing and it's not very interesting which is a, a terrible way to to start things off because yeah. you persuade the audience that it's not going to be very good and then rather than them pitying you or you know feeling endeared towards you actually it's you know we think oh well maybe it's not going to be very good yeah uh, and so certainly owning those flaws and and maybe even declaring them and saying look this is something you need to know it's out there you know there's an argument that if you keep a secret about yourself it, it becomes really quite powerful um when it doesn't need to be whereas if you put it out there then well firstly you'll find that most people probably don't care uh, in the first place but secondly, it's just there and then you, and you've declared it a lot of silent comics will talk about their appearance or their name at the very beginning and say right this is the number one thing you need to know about me it's this and that's really nice because it gives people this is your character this is what you're about but it's also just saying i've heard it all before so yeah <laughs> just bring it on, on. <laughs> yeah bring it on phil jupiter's who's a fantastic comic he was a big you know, he was a big guy and he would walk out and say uh just in case you're wondering 21 stone and then he would <laughs> and he would stop and then if anyone else yelled something out, you go, yeah, brilliant. It's, it's, yeah. Already, it's already done. Yeah. I, I was speaking to a speaker, like a, a, quite a large um, personality in the, in the world, and he he said, he was saying, if you could, if you, can you imagine if you were on a plane and the pilot came on over the the tower and said uh you know i'm i'm not feeling i'm not i'm this, this is probably going to be you know this this flight is going to be awful i'm sorry you know this is this is terrible and um you'd feel really quite as a yeah. as a passenger you'd feel bad and that's how that's how you make your audience feel you come out and say oh, i'm sorry i'm feeling really nervous you've got a pilot that saying is, i'm a bit nervous today yeah that is a great analogy and i think i'll nick that that's rather yes, good. I, think, I have. <laughs> um, they, the, the audience, whoever it is, even if one people, you know, one person or, or 100 people or 500 people, they're looking for emotional guidance. They just want to see, do you trust yourself? And they'll forgive a few errors. Do you trust yourself? Do you think that you're going to do a good job here? Or do you look happy? And we'll just take it from there. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, you need your super slick pilot, even if they are nervous or thinking, yeah, I'm not feeling 100% going hi you know like their their message is you're in a safe pair of hands and that's what we want absolutely it's um it's going to be fine like honestly yeah. like, look I've, I've done this before i've done this loads this is another day in the office you're cool right off we go and then you can relax but it's funny because as you said that i was thinking an airplane full of panicking people is, is a nightmare right that's that's, that's going to make it you know absolutely dreadful you want yeah. them just pleasantly sedated right you just want them yes. fed on tv <laughs> 
do a little bit of booze, just like dozing yeah. off. Like, don't do it. We're in a, we're in, we're contained here. So don't, for God's sake, don't do anything. And I'll take care of it. And I guess it's a, a similar thing with, um, I, I mean, I'm fascinated with that first impression, just that very first moment where you see someone get up on stage or, or just, you know, in, in a boardroom and you're just looking at thinking, right. And you, you're making a judgment about how the, the next 45 minutes or few hours is going to, is going to go. And if they look happy, you generally relax and that's really nice. But yeah, if someone's floundering because they haven't yes. prepared correctly or, you know, they physically stumble over something or they say, Oh, you know, I'm really nervous. Everyone then. <laughs> It's, yes, you know, an audience can just decide. They can check out. You know, you'll see them on their phone or just making an excuse and leave. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's it's they will mirror your audience will mirror your awkwardness, your nervousness, all of that. So yes, right. just a nice safe pair of hands is. I think that's a that's a great a great way of looking at it. Is that that you you right. need to be that safe pair of hands. Well, yeah. just we are sort of coming up to 25 minutes already, which yes. is incredible. It's gone so fast. Um, tell me then, what makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck? I think the good speaker just puts in the work. Um, and that's obviously that's very broad. But sometimes people say to me, you know, how can I, how can I be confident? And I said, well, you, you just got to put in the work. You know, it's a sort of boring answer, but you know that. So it's writing a good piece and rehearsing it and going through it and making sure you're really familiar with it, making sure you've looked at the venue and the tech and everything and you understand everything that you need to do. It gives you that chance to adapt around things that might happen. So something technical might happen that goes wrong or someone there might be a loud noise. If you're ready and you've rehearsed enough, the rehearsal will kind of catch you. The bad speaker sucks because they haven't checked the basics of where they need to stand and what the technology is like or where, you know, where people are and they don't look ready. And it, it manifests itself when they make a mistake later on and we think, oh, yeah, that's that, that's backed up my initial impression. Whereas the good speaker who is, you know, has adapted and they've maybe been a little bit funny and they've, and they've shown a bit of empathy with the audience and they've shown that this isn't the generic talk. It's something slightly tailored. They'll have a little technical challenge and the audience will love them even more for it because they'll think, oh, you're relatable, you're a human being. So I think it's it's putting in lots of work. And then, of course, the really clever thing is the, the good speaker makes it look as if they haven't put in any work at all. Yes. And they just walk up and go, oh, hi, oh, this looks like, and they, they, they know. Yeah. <laughs> I love to say um, memorize to improvise and as much as that's don't don't memorize a script necessarily don't memorize 45 minutes of of a presentation but have mm. it so much in your muscle memory that you can play with it you know you can be playful and you can enjoy the experience along with the audience you know it's it's not about memorizing yeah. and putting you know being, being so worried that you're going to forget a line so what was the best piece of advice that you were ever given, either as a stand-up or when you went into uh, the communication coaching in the, in the first place? Were, were you given a, a good piece of advice? I think, oh, actually, I think, I think it's getting experience is the one stand-up and speaking and every, every situation. I guess it, maybe that's, that's super broad. Maybe that's everything. So it's getting experience and failing and learning from it. Um, so as a stand-up, I was told, yes, go out and gig. Just get out there and gig and do stuff. 
Um, I haven't been specifically given uh, advice for the communication coaching, but that's certainly that piece of advice has, you know, has it's what you proved did. itself to be uh, very solid. I think it's, yeah, it's getting out and just trying stuff and failing and learning from it. Um, because the only way you're going to grow is go through some discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. Transformation happens on the edge of your comfort zone. So yes. yeah, you have to get out there, get out there. So is that yeah. the best piece of advice that you give? Or is there anything, anything in particular that you, that you, um, that you say to your, your uh, students, clients? Yeah, we can call them students. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, no, it's the same thing. It's it's getting it's experimenting. That's the key. It's like just trying new stuff because whatever you try, whether it's a new little bit of material or a new technique or way of speaking or a new visual, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You won't use it again. The audience might not even notice. They might think, oh, that's slightly weird. But anything that does work is added to your arsenal. So you're constantly building up positive techniques. So in my training, I've got, you know, the thousands of things that I, I can say and I pick and choose, you know, my favorite ones, but the very best ones, those will keep coming back because yeah. I know that they work. And but what's funny is I some of them I look at them and think, I said that on the spur of the moment, thinking this might be terrible. Like this this could be really stupid. But it worked and now it's mine. So yeah, yeah I think it's it's being comfortable with failing and just experimenting as much as possible. What's one of the little, maybe an exercise or, or a tip that anybody that's listening could take away today? Record yourself speaking um, and watch it back. Now, no one likes watching themselves back on video. I certainly don't. It's deeply uncomfortable. But as I mentioned at the beginning, one of the, you know, the big steps is where I, I point out um, uh, when I get people to speak, I'll point out to them how they actually come across. And there's often a disparity there. So that's a lovely way of moving people, you know, up that scale of confidence. If you can record yourself, just get one of your friends on your phone to record you uh, while you're giving a talk or any kind of presentation. Force yourself to watch your back, which I appreciate might take days for you to build up the courage to do it. But then just look at what you're doing. And what you can do is break that down into uh just the sound so put it face down and have a listen and check out the tone and see how you're coming across and the other way of course is to turn the volume down and to look at yourself and see how you stand and see when you smile and things like that um noting down filler words that kind of thing but you can constantly do that just always be assessing because asking for feedback is great but your friend might just say you were brilliant which is not and you may have been brilliant but it's not useful <laughs> to it's improve not no oh that's great that was brilliant john thank you, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna anybody out there uh watching now if you want to ask a quick question we have sort of come to the end uh anybody listening or watching the replay do ask a question this is your website john so johntorrens.co.uk and people can find you there is there anywhere else or anything else you want to say anywhere else people can find you or anything that you've got coming up I have a YouTube channel, which is also worth looking at, but the website is the main place to go. No, that's it. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for being on today, John. I've really, really appreciated everything that you've, you've had to say. So lots of great advice in there. So thank you very much. And everybody out there listening, watching, uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for being Brilliant. here.